Well, welcome. Hey, thanks for being here with us, everybody here in our Waukesha campus, at our Pewaukee campus, or wherever you're joining us from our online campus. Uh, I'm glad to be together, be together today for Baptism Weekend, one of my favorite weekends of the year. I'm so excited. And if, if you have, have yet to sign up or to make that decision today, we want to invite you. It's not too late. We've got a change of clothes. We'll, we'll have pictures, video, everything that you need. Say yes today. Make today the day. We want to invite you to that. I want to invite you next weekend as we kick off a brand new series called What I Wish I'd Known Sooner, looking through the book of Timothy, a letter written by Paul. We want to invite you. Hope you can be there. It's going to be a great series. I'm really looking forward to it. But this week, we wrap up our Simplify series. We've been in this series for a few weeks now, and we're in our final week of this series. And I want to begin by posing a question for all of you today. Uh, what was maybe the best yes you ever said, the best thing that you ever said yes to, maybe the best yes that you received. I know for me, the best yes that, that I ever got wasn't a yes I said, it was a, it was a yes that my wife said, uh, and it was the best yes she ever said for, for my sake, not for hers, but it was a yes to a second date. A second date, because our first date uh, went a little like this. We, we were texting in our, in our, in our dorms, and, and, you know, we're talking about going to the movies together. One of us wanted to see the, the newer Fast and Furious movie. The other one wanted to see the, the live adaption of the Beauty and the Beast musical. I'm not going to tell you who wanted to see what, uh, but we ended up seeing Fast and Furious because I knew very early on in the relationship I wasn't in charge. And so we went and saw this, this movie, and it was great. It was a good time. And then we went and got cookies at Insomnia Cookie. If you've never had it, 10 out of 10, recommend. Go get it. And then we walked around the World's Fair Park in downtown Knoxville where we went to school. And I noticed while we're walking around that she had some, some chocolate on her, on her face from, from the triple chocolate chunk cookie, whatever, that she was eating. So me, being the, you know, wise, chivalrous, foolishly idiotic boy that I was, decided not to tell her because there's nothing more awkward than being that guy. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to be that person. Of, hey, you got a little, you got a little something on your, you know, you got a little teeth. You got a little something. Nobody wants to, that's the most awkward moment ever. So I just avoided it. I was like, yeah, she'll figure it out, you know, which she did. You know, a couple hours later when she got back to her dorm and all her friends uh, enlightened her. Uh, and so our first encounter the next day was, was not the best, not the prettiest, but for some reason, somehow, some way, by the grace of God, she said yes to a second date, said yes to a couple more, uh, and we've been great ever since then. But we've all said yes to good things. We've said yes to bad things. We've maybe said yes to things that we regret immediately. We're like, oh, did I, why did I do that, right? We've, we've, we've maybe said yes to, to things that have impacted our lives positively or negatively, things that have maybe even impacted uh, or, or, or set up the trajectory of our lives in a big way. Some of us, I believe maybe even all of us though, have said yes, maybe even subconsciously, to what we are living for what our purpose is. Maybe you've decided your purpose is not having one, right? But we've all decided some way or another what we are living for. And I want to unpack uh, for the next few moments uh, what our purpose is. What, what can we say yes to living for? How can we simplify what we're living for? We want to calm the chaos in our lives by simplifying what we're living for. 
We want to calm the chaos that is in our lives, in our souls, by simplifying what we are living for. And to help us uh, with that, I want to turn to Luke chapter 5. There's a story of a guy named Matthew, formerly known, as we'll see in this text, as Levi. He would become the the author of the inaugural book of the New Testament, uh, the book of Matthew, the first of the four Gospels. And And it starts off, his story begins like this in Matthew 5, starting in verse 27. It says, After this, he, being Jesus, went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. Leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Levi made him a great feast in his house. There was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with him. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. So I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners too repentance. So we meet this guy named Levi, who Jesus would later change his name to Matthew. We can assume by his name Levi, this was probably his family name. It's a Jewish name. So we could assume that, that he grew up in a very religious home. He practiced all of the traditions, rituals, and rhythms that any good first century Jewish family would do. That's how he grew up. Up, Maybe he's turned from that now, as we can see looking at his life. But that's the home that he grew up in, a very religious background. Then there's this interesting moment, right? Jesus approaches him and invites him, says, follow me. And any good Jewish boy who, who maybe wanted to, to grow up and be a rabbi or, or a teacher in a synagogue would long to hear these words, right? That they would be invited into apprenticeship under a rabbi. That they would be invited to follow and be a disciple to a rabbi. They would long to hear that phrase, follow me, or lech akare. Can you say that with me? Lech hakare. You got to get a little phlegm in there, right? A little, a little oomph, right? They would, they would long to hear this. But this was purely based, the invitation was purely based on behavior. It was based on tears that you had to reach. It was based on production. And this is why this story is so weird. Because Jesus approaches a guy who hasn't met these qualifications. He hasn't even filled out an application. Like there's been no resume sent in. This guy is not looking to be a disciple. And Jesus goes out of his way rather than the other way around. And he approaches him and invites him to follow him. You see, this is the good news of the message of Jesus. Is that he is unlike any other rabbi. He's unlike any other teacher, leader, God, he's unlike anyone else because by the standards of, of the law, then he was a pretty bad rabbi. I mean, what kind of rabbi would do this? What kind of rabbi would go out of his way to invite a disciple into apprenticeship, especially a guy like this who clearly doesn't care? That's what makes Jesus so good is that he pursues He sees us and he seeks us out. It's not based on our qualifications. It's not based on on behavior or our production. It's not based on what we see or what the world sees. It is based on his love for us. 
He calls him out of this job, right? Levi, Matthew, was a tax collector. And in those days, a tax collector was despised in those communities, right? This Jewish town or village did not like this guy, right? It'd be like a butcher grilling outside of a vegan cafe. Like it's just, it's like you don't, you don't, you don't belong here, right? It, it'd be like, let's say, hypothetically speaking, if the Packers had a quarterback who decided to go play for the Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, we got upset about it, right? You know, it's okay, guys. Super Bowl later. It's going to be all right. You know, someone's still carrying that bitterness. But, right, it, it was just like, it doesn't go together, right? Like, you, 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 don't, you don't belong. We, we don't like you, right? You're, you're not a part of us. You have turned your back on us. You, you've stolen from us. You see, tax collectors, they worked for Rome. They were employed by Rome to essentially be financial overseers of the town that they were placed in. So they would, would, would oversee this town and collect money, some money that was required and a little more and a little more. So they were literally just looking to, to get rich and collect their money. But not only were they stealing from people, upcharging the middle to low class, only to feed themselves more and more, but most of the tax collectors, especially Matthew in this case, was a Jewish man. So that means he maybe even grew up in this town or in this village. He grew up doing the things that these people did. And now he's back in town stealing their money. So not only is he taking their money, but he has turned his back on, their, on his own people. He is a traitor. He is manipulative, greedy. He's a sellout. And this is the guy that Jesus calls this is the guy that Jesus approaches and invites him to be a disciple. Essentially puts him in an alpha rooted group with Peter, James, and John. And they're like, dude, we don't like this guy. He taxes us way too much after fishing. Like, and he's like, you're your best friends now, right? The crowd is freaking out. This is inappropriate. This is, this is politically incorrect. If they weren't skeptical of Jesus yet, boy, are they skeptical now. What does it say about Jesus? I mean, he, he essentially answers that himself, right? In verse 31, he says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, friends, I don't know what Jesus you've heard of. I don't know what Jesus that, that maybe you've made up in your head or, or the Jesus that some of his followers have shown you or that the world has shown you. But the Jesus that I know, the Jesus in this story in the entire book is a friend of sinners. He is a friend of outcasts. He knows the rejects by name. He cares, he sees them, he loves them. He brings together the bully and the bullied, right? He is a unifier. He sits in the hallways with the kids who don't want to go into lunch because they're too afraid of what will happen. He sits outside the bathroom while that one girl sits in the stall because she doesn't want to eat in front of her friends. He, he sits at the table of the kids that no one has ever walked by and asked, how are you? Or what is your name? That's who he is. He cares. He loves. He is for everyone. That's Jesus. And if you've never met him, let me introduce you. He loves you. He cares about you. He knows you by name, no matter who you are, no matter what you have done. And then there's this insane moment in Matthew's life. See, Matthew is, 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 is living for himself. 
And Jesus approaches him at, at his booth. In the middle of a shift, he invites him to follow him. Right? What's, what's Matthew living for? He's living for money. He's living for success, connections, fame even, himself. He has no desire for this. And then Jesus comes along with an invitation to simplify. An invitation to change what he's living for. An invitation to a better yes. I saw this illustration from Pastor Robert Madu that I, I want to do with y'all here. Uh, imagine for a moment that maybe you're in a desert, right? You're, you're in Nevada, let's say, right? Car broke down, whatever, and you're wandering around looking for cell service or, or, or trying to, you know, find the nearest gas station. And then here, here I come cruising up in my nice truck because it's a made-up scenario. And so that's the car I gave myself. And so I, I cruise in. I got the AC blasting. I know music's going. And, and you're sitting there. You know, your mouth's getting dry. You're so dry. You've been walking for a long time. You're trying to create any saliva you can just to right, get through. And I pull up. I pop the bed of the truck. And I'm like, hey, you thirsty? You need a drink? And I pop open this bad boy. And I'm like, what do you, what do you want? You want a, you want a Coca-Cola? Oh, who loves Coke? Anybody, anybody love a good Coca-Cola? I love Coke. It's so good. Even polar bears love it. I mean, this stuff is amazing. It's amazing, right? There's nothing like, like an ice cold Coke hitting your, hitting your lips. Oh, oh, what about, what about a little Fanta? Anybody like a little orange? Don't you wanna Fanta, Fanta, right? That's the phrase, right? I don't know, maybe, right? Who loves, I love a good orange Fanta. There's nothing like it. Maybe, you know, you're like, hey, not a big soda guy. You got anything else? Of course, let me know. What do you want? You want a Gatorade? You want to get those electrolytes up, buddy? Come on. Yeah, what flavor? Blue, not a flavor, but I got blue flavor, right? Even got the, the sport mouth one, the active, right? Yeah, let's go. We got that. Or... Not a Gatorade, not a soda. Okay, all right, don't worry. Uh-oh, Arnie Palmy alert. Got a little Arizona. This tall boy, look at this thing. Yeah, get that bad boy. A little half lemonade, half tea. Man, would that just change the game in the middle of the desert. Here's the thing. Oh, that'd be so good once it hits your lips and it's satisfying and it feels good for a moment. Because those things won't actually satisfy what you're looking for. It might make you feel good. It might make you feel big. It, it might just kind of numb the pain or distract you for a little bit. It will satisfy your taste buds, but it will not quench your thirst. And I don't know what that is for you. But a lot of us are chasing after things that will not satisfy. And then Jesus comes in with a very simple offer. He says, I have living water that I want to give you. Something that will truly satisfy you. The things in this world, the things that you're looking for, the pleasure, the fame, the success, the popularity, it's not going to matter because we have a God-sized hole in our heart that only he can fill. He says, I have living water. I want to quench your thirst. Church, we are a dehydrated people in need of living water that only he can satisfy. He said it himself. Jesus said in John 4, he said, whoever drinks of the water I'll give him will never be thirsty again. Water I'll give him will become in him, in you, in me, a spring of water welling up to eternal 
life, not money, not relationships, not success, selfish ambition, acceptance, goals, addictions, you name it, it won't satisfy. It will not quench your thirst. You need something better. It is only, always, ever Jesus. That's it. Only, always, ever Jesus. That's all we need. So we're invited to simplify what we're living for. To say a better yes. To give our yes to something else. Notice what Matthew does in this moment, right? There's no depiction in the story uh, of, him, of him questioning, right? It just says he, leaving everything, he rose and followed him, right? It doesn't say he stopped and questioned, well, God, what about all the things I've done? But God, what about my doubts even about you? I, Jesus, I don't even know if, uh, about this thing. I, what, what will people think of me? There's no record. There's no part of that in the story. Maybe he thought it, but it didn't hold him back. He just went. He said yes to Jesus. That's our invitation. And maybe for you, you've already said yes. Maybe you've said yes to a relationship with Jesus recently, months ago, years ago. The challenge for some of us would be that we would actually start living like it. Because many of us maybe have said yes, but we're still carrying shame, resentment, bitterness, anger, addictions. We haven't given that over to Jesus. You see, some of us might even be like the, the, the Jewish community in this story that we've just read, right? And we're like, no, Jesus, you shouldn't call Matthew. He doesn't deserve it. He's not worthy. We said yes to a relationship with Jesus. We maybe said yes to what Jesus can do for us. But we haven't had, said yes to this transformative renewal of becoming more like him of really being transformed to live like him, see like him. Maybe you've never said yes. Maybe this thing seems crazy and far-fetched, and maybe one day you'll get there. Maybe you're not interested. I want to invite you. Make today the day. Say yes to something truly satisfying. Make today the day. Like Matthew, drop everything. And enter into this relationship, an invitation to living water, an invitation to something that is truly satisfying, that doesn't go away in a moment, but will quench our dehydrated soul, calm the chaos in your life with a simple yes. Simplify what you're saying yes to, what you are living for. I got to have a chat with one of my Good buddies, Jared. I want you guys to check this out. Hi, my name's Jared Boyd. Uh, my wife, Mackenzie, and I have been coming to River Glen for uh, about a year now. Um, and I've been you know, fortunate enough to uh, serve in Unite Ministry. So I grew up in a Christian home. Um, I, uh, I was kind of pushed into you know, kind of going to church every Sunday. It wasn't really a priority for me. Um, it wasn't something that I, I necessarily wanted to do. There were Sundays where I, you know, kind of struggled getting up to go to church, but it was always, you know, 9.30, BIS, button seat. Um, it wasn't until I was in high school where I actually, you know, made that step forward. Um, it was through the Young Life Ministry over at Kettle Moraine that 
um, I really found the gospel message. Uh, I heard it presented to me like I'd never heard it uh, in any church service before. Um, and you know, through the years, I, I started to make that faith my own, and I, I went along that journey, and um, I kind of never looked back. You know, it's been one of the greatest decisions of my life to call Jesus my own and um, take that step forward. And today, um, I get to you know serve with alongside my my wife and, and numerous leaders here in the church, and I found a a family and um, uh, others around me that can support me and love me through any season of life. So baptism for me was um, something that I've, I've always kind of thought I'd get around to. Um, I was under the impression that I was baptized as a child. Um, and when I was, you know, going through the, the leader vetting process, the leader interview process with my wife and, and Garrett in his office, um, he asked us the question of baptism. And I kind of responded, you know, the same way that I just said of, um, I'll get around to it. You know, it's something that, you know, I was baptized as a child, but, you know, I'll make it my own as an adult. Don't, you know, I'll get to that. And my wife, you know, lovingly called out in that moment and said, you were not baptized as a child. Uh, I just had lunch with your mom today and found out you were not, <laughs> uh, which was uh, kind of, kind of not shattering, but at the same time kind of shattering. Uh, just, oh, all right, this might be important for me to really push up uh, the timelines. So after that meeting with Garrett, um, it was kind of on my heart. And it was something that my wife kept kind of bringing up, you know, do you, do you want to get baptized? You know, when do you want to get baptized? And I kind of, um, you know, pushed aside. For weeks, I didn't think about it. it, it about three weeks after the last time that I thought about it, it was about 4 a.m. and I, I woke up out of dead sleep, which does not happen to me at all. Um, and the first thought, it was like I was waking up out of a dream and my first thought was that dream, but it wasn't the dream, it was, I need to get baptized. I wasn't dreaming about it, I hadn't thought about it, I didn't have any conversations about it, and it was just on my heart. And I knew in that moment, I need to take this step. I need to do this. And the next day, my wife and I, we were on a walk, and I decided to share that with her, of kind of an accountability partner to walk alongside that with me and just hold me accountable to making that step towards getting baptized and, and declaring that to everyone. So the next time that I had the opportunity to get baptized um, was at Unite. Garrett said, hey guys, we left the, the baptism pool filled. Um, we're going to kind of give students the opportunity, if they feel led to, to get baptized tonight. And emotions started flooding into me as I heard that you know we had about eight or nine kids to get baptized. And I looked at my wife and she said, you know, she just kind of smiled and said, do you want to get baptized? And I said, yeah. I, I 100% want to. And I remember fighting back tears and um, asking, you know, if, if she would want to baptize me. And um, it was probably one of the, the best moments that her and I have shared together. Um, it's something that her and I can look back and, you know, say that she was a part of my baptism, my, my decision to publicly declare that I am a follower of Jesus. And she got to be in that pool alongside me and, and pull me out of that water and, and give me a hug right after.
So when I think of, you know, my purpose after committing my life to Jesus, I mean, it's, it's not always going to be roses, right? It's, he, he doesn't promise that, but He promises to walk alongside us. Um, and today, I think, you know, I look at after my baptism, um, it's really kind of woken me up to my purpose and nothing else, all, everything else is just noise, you know, it's, you know, it's nothing materialistic that can fill this heart at all. Don't let a day go by. Take that step. Uh, I would encourage you when you feel that emotion, it's, it's God saying to you, I, I want you to come home. I want this relationship with you um, and dive in, dive in. I love it. Yeah. Amen. <clears throat> dive in. Just dive in. It's, it's Jesus loving you, inviting you. Like he said, hey, come home. I love you. I care about you. Come home. It's an invitation to, to outcasts. It's an invitation to, to people who've made mistakes. It's an invitation to people who have been following Jesus, like, like Jared, who, who had been following Jesus and, and, you know, thought he was baptized, you know, when he was younger. Maybe some of you, you know, have been baptized when, when you were younger, when you were baby. We want to invite you to, to make that decision today for, for yourself, to say, hey, this is, this is what I'm choosing to do for me, right? There is an invitation from Jesus to step in. To say yes. For, for those of us who, who we tell you we're followers of Jesus, there's, there's a command to do this. To, to go public with our faith. To, to follow in his example that, that he set the beginning of his ministry. To say yes to Jesus. I want to close with this painting that I found from 1600 by Michelangelo Caravaggio. It's a 1600s depiction of the call of Matthew. And so he shows the people uh, sitting in a pub, hanging out. And you can see Jesus walks in and he's the guy with his, with his hands stretched out. And Matthew right there with a the beard pointing at, at himself. Most scholars believe that that's Matthew. Some you know, think that maybe it's the guy with his head down. But, but either way, I love this image of Jesus walking in the room looking for Matthew. And Matthew's sitting there pointing at himself like, me? Ser seriously? No, 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 no. You got the wrong guy. And man, I, I wonder how many of us have said that. Me, Jesus? Really? No, 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 no. You, no, you've got the wrong person. See, I've done some irredeemable things. You don't know what I was doing last night. You don't know what I was doing on my way to church this weekend. God, it can't be me. You must be looking for someone else. Yet he walks in with his hands stretched out. He says, no, I want you. I love you. You're who I came for. You're who I see. You're who I want. I want to invite you into a relationship. I also noticed that at the table, you can see all the men are kind of sitting tightly together. Yet there's this open space where, where we look in almost as as if it's an invitation to sit at the table. As if to say, that's our seat. 
that, that that's where I would be sitting at a table of brokenness and shame, a table so distant and undeserving of God, yet he walks in. And he invites us all. He invites Matthew. He invites the whole table. And he enters and he sees us and he says, follow me. Lech akare. I, I know who you are. I, I know what you've done, but I want you. I desire a relationship with you. I promise I have some good things in store for you. He came for you. And he invites each and every one of us to say the best yes I promise you, you will ever say. It's a life with Jesus, living for him. So there's an invitation on the table today to go public with your faith if you've never done it before. To say yes to Jesus, to declare, this is what I'm living for. To calm the chaos in our lives by entering into relationship with God. If you're not signed up, that's okay. That's okay. Make today the day. We've got everything you need. Change of clothes, pictures, videos. We'll make it happen. Make today the day. Say yes. He's inviting you. He's inviting each of us. And if you're online, there's time. You can get here. We'll, we'll wait for you. We'll make it happen today. See, this is the invitation. That in his mercy... In his goodness, in his kindness, in his grace, full of love, he comes with his arms stretched out, saying, you, 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 I came for you, I love you. That's the invitation, that we'd say yes. I want to invite you as we close to, to stand with me. We're going to sing just a couple more songs uh, as we celebrate baptisms today. And I want to invite you, if, if you are a follower of Jesus, uh, and if you're especially making that decision today to be baptized, I want to invite you to say this declaration of faith with me. As we say together, hey, this is who I am. This is what I believe. If you are a follower of Jesus, we invite you, especially those of you getting baptized today, to say this together as one. And then we'll, we'll celebrate and we'll worship together. Would you join me? I believe that Jesus died for my sin and raised from the dead. And I accept him as my Lord and Savior. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we're, we're so grateful. God, we're so grateful that you would invite us into a relationship with you. God, I pray if there's anybody in here who's never made that decision, God, whether it's their first time in a church and maybe they're a little skeptical, they have no idea what's to come, God, would you just, would you overwhelm them with peace? Would you overwhelm them with joy? God, would you break down walls that maybe we've put up between you and us? God, would we see that in your mercy, in your kindness, in your love, that you've come for us, that you see us, that you have sought us out. God, you want to call us out. God, you see us as we are and as we should be. So God, would you stir something in us to make today 
today. And if we've been walking with you, if we've been following you, maybe this is our first or our hundredth time, God, would we make today the day to start living for you? Let it transform us. Let it change the way we think. Let it change the way we see. Let it change the way we live. God, we want to say thank you for what you have done for us. God, you have given us the ultimate gift. We love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.